Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Today we have a very important podcast. I want to talk about a subject that not a lot of people want to talk about, though everyone else is talking about it. But in the church, it seems like we don't want to tackle this issue. That's the issue of abuse. Over the past five years or so, the Lord has brought several people across my path who have suffered for years in silence suffered the effects of either ongoing or past abuse. It's something that affects the church. And now, in the political realm, we talk about the, the hashtag MeToo movement. And there are temptations to politicize that. Well, that's something the Democrats are doing, and that's, that's something that doesn't happen uh, within our churches, but it does. And we need to talk about it. To talk about it, I've invited my friend Dr. Don Woodard to be on the program. Uh, Don is a, an evangelist a pastor there in Beacon Baptist Church in Salem, Virginia, and also an author. He's written several books, mostly dealing with youth ministry, but his latest book is this, Restored, Living and Loving After Abuse. It's an important book. I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I bought it, and I hope you'll buy a copy. So Dr. Don is a, is a good friend of mine, been so for the past 15 years. He really has not just a love for Jesus, but a love for others. That's why he's written this book, and you can see that love for others on just about every page of this book. You, you'll want to get this, whether it's to help you or to help somebody that you know, and I want to broach this subject here on the podcast today. We're going to try to do so from a biblical perspective, as we, as we try to do, to talk about it from a theological perspective, but of course an intensely practical perspective as well, and I don't believe that there has to be a division between theological and practical. I think theology is intensely practical, so... My guest is Dr. Don Woodard, and I'm honored to have him on the podcast. So without any further ado, let's hear from Dr. Don Woodard. Well, I am very honored to be a part of this, and uh, I've appreciated your friendship for a long time now. I'm just trying to think. I think we've known each other a good 15 years or so, and it's so, been exciting yeah. to see what's uh, taken place in your life. And I really appreciate you having this ministry. You know, one of the things I didn't mention is that you also, in addition to all the other work that you do, you have an orphanage in Haiti. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I love that. Uh, we, uh, it's really been a blessing. And I went to Haiti in 2001. I was invited to go to a youth conference and speak in a youth camp. A missionary invited me. I didn't even know where Haiti was. I had no clue. And I just knew I was invited to go preach at a youth camp. So I went there and there were 400 teenagers that came and we had a great time, and I met a national pastor there named Ovid Supreme, and he was a young man at the time, and of course, and, st and still single, but he um, had been raised by some American missionaries and, that were out of Florida, and uh, he had fluent English, and he was pastoring a church, and just things going well, and he was my interpreter. Well... I got to know him, got to be real close with him, and I asked him, I said, you know, what, is there anything we could do to help you? And he said, well, he said, um, I'm taking care of children. He said, I'd like to start an orphanage. And he showed me these little banana leaf huts. And what he did, he had these orphan kids, and some of the smaller ones were staying with his sister, who lives kind of across the road from him. And so he had these kids at night. He would have them sleep in these little huts, the little bitty things, about five-foot diameter and he'd have three or four of them sleeping inside those just to keep them, you know, out of the elements. 
And um, he said, I'd really like to get a building. He said, I've got these kids. And at the time, he's taking care of like seven or eight kids and feeding them and just taking care of them. And so anyway, I said, well, I'll pray about that. Went back, to make a long story short, went back in November of that same year. First time I went was in February. Went back in November. I had raised some money, and we went there, leased the building. And now since November of 2001, we've had the, the, in the it, it, we call it the Candlestick Baptist Orphanage in in Creole, it's Chandelier Baptist Orphanage. Uh, and so we, right now, today, I think we have 69, last report I got, we have 69 children in the orphanage right now, and we've raised children in the last 17 years. You know, that we have children that are grown now, and just the poverty is so bad there. And we're getting ready to work on a big project for uh, August, getting ready for school. We're actually, we have a Christian school that is connected to the church and the orphanage there, and now we're trying to help another church, <coughs> excuse me, that has a Christian school to make some, you know, provide some things for them to help them mm-hmm. kind of do a little better. But, yeah, we're excited. Haiti's wide open for the gospel. It's a very poor country. So we love working there. You know, and all of that really is evidence of one of the things I, I greatly appreciate about you. One thing that really sticks out about you is your love for people. And whether it's orphanage, uh, you know, orphans in Haiti or, or just the various people that you run into. I know that you, you, we've talked about foster care as well, that you've gotten involved with that. But the main reason why we're here is because of your latest book. You've written a number of books. We'll talk about that later. But your latest is Restored, Living and Loving After Abuse. And we're talking about, that's the topic of our podcast today, is how to minister to those who have suffered abuse. And all over the headlines today, you have the the hashtag MeToo movement. And and I don't want to get political about that, uh, because there's, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. But the truth of the matter is, there are many people walking among us who have been victims of abuse, And that includes the people sitting next to us in our pews at church. There are many who have suffered silently for years, and some who are suffering silently right now as we're talking, suffering the results of abuse. And so, Don, tell us a little bit about your book and and why you decided to write this. Well, you are exactly right. Abuse is what I call the not-talked-about topic in our society and we have had abuse in our churches, we've had in our homes. My first, I guess, face-to-face encounter with someone who was abused was years ago. It was, This would have been in the mid-1990s. I was traveling. I just started. Uh, this has probably been about 1994. I had begun this ministry of going into churches and working with teenagers and, and helping them reach teenagers. And I was invited to speak in Southern Ohio in, a, in a, like a youth rally and uh, on a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday night. And so I was there and we had a great time. My son, my youngest son was with me at the time. He was like six years old, but he went with me and we had a great time. And excuse me, after the service, um, this lady that, that was very active in the church, her husband was a police officer. She had brought this young girl she had met and um, I call the girl Sarah. I honestly don't remember her real name. I think I do, but I just call her Sarah. So anyway, after the service, this girl wanted to talk to me. She sat down. We sat with this lady on the front steps of the church, and it was kind of a church kind of out in the country a little bit, and, and she started telling me her story, and her one side of her head was shaved. Again, it's like 1994. One side of her head was shaved, and then... 
the other side was real long, dark black hair. She had on all black, lots of makeup, and she had uh, cuts up her arms and stuff. And this lady and her husband was trying to help this girl. And so I was listening and, you know, asking her about her life and about her, her faith. And she didn't trust anybody. She didn't believe anybody. She questioned the existence of God and everything. And so she just started opening up to me. And I heard something I, I never in, in my imagination would have never believed would happen to a child. And she's about 14. If I recall, she was 14. And she said that her mother had gotten into a lesbian relationship. And her mother got this job where she worked at night, like third shift kind of job. And she said at night her mother's uh, partner would come in and get in bed with her and do things with her. And, of course, this lady's there and and her husband being a police officer, that was dealt with later. But in my mind, I thought, how in the world, you know, could this be? And then later on, I, I, I had when I pastored years ago in Ohio, I had a lady come to me that had said her told me she was an adult that her her he was technically her uncle, but he raised her and she called him dad, that he had sexually abused her as a child. And I didn't really know how to help her. And I talked to her about it. And, you know, I would talk with her and her husband about things. And and I know she was very angry. And so from that and a couple other things that came to me, I began to just to have that in the back of my mind and think about it and study on it. And then about five or six years ago, someone that, uh, a young couple started coming to our church. The young lady came to me and started telling me her story and that her father had abused her from the time she was seven until she was 17 mm-hmm. and left home and was sexually abusing her on a regular basis. And I knew that that I needed to find out how to help people like that. And so I began to research, and I began to make some connections. I had a friend, a dear, dear friend of mine, a man I dearly love and think the world of. He had shared with me that he was molested by a neighbor when he was a little boy by a neighbor man. Uh, and then I have another friend uh, who had shared with me that his wife was molested by her father on a regular basis. When she was a little girl, she was eventually taken out of the home. So I found, anyway, the point of that is that I realized how real this is and how, how wounded people are that have been abused. And so I began to put some material together. The one couple that was in my church, I decided I was going to put some lessons together. I started researching. I ordered books. I read books. I talked to people. And I started putting lessons together for this couple and meeting with them. And we just started, I asked them a lot of questions, and then I would meet with the wife. The man would always be in another room. The husband would be in the other room. This was a young couple, and she just really opened up to me, and I said, you know, I would, would go over things with her. I'd have these lessons written out, and she would do the lessons each week. And then she would come to me, and she said, this, this is really helping me. This stuff's helping me. And I had gotten it from talking to people from praying and from searching the scriptures quite a bit. And so I thought, you know, we need to help people with this. So I think a long story short, I guess I worked for four years on the book and I had a team of people. And I think this is important, especially for people who've been abused that would read the book. I have a team of people that helped me. Every chapter in this book was 
was writ was read in I could say proofread not for grammatical things, but for facts and for for truth and for healing purposes. Every word was read and meditated over by people who had been abused. Every part. Mm. The one chapter in the book called Questions from the Heart, Answers from God, every one of those questions was submitted by someone who was abused. And what we did was we take the que- we would take the questions, and I would study Scripture about them, and I would answer them. And then every answer that I wrote was, was critiqued by the people who would ask the questions. Hmm. And I've been told that, that that is a chapter in the book that's extremely helpful because those questions, you know, one lady that, that um, uh, helped me with it, she told me, which and she was a great blessing to me, and, but sometimes she'd get real bold with me or, or real frank, and she'd say, what you don't understand is these are questions that we're afraid to ask anyone that we need hmm. the answers to. I realized how important them having a voice. The abused person needs to right. needs to have a voice. They need to be heard. And I think that one of one of the things the book does it gives them a voice, and that's that's really important. I want to get to that a little bit later. We we'll get to our application section, but you mentioned uh, scriptures, and so let's we'll, we'll transition to our our second uh, section here about relevant scriptures. And one of the first passages you address in chapter 1, is John chapter 4, and that's the woman at the well. And I think that's a really good picture mm-hmm. uh, of a woman who, is, who has been hurt but finds her, her peace and her rest in Jesus. Yeah, there, there's, uh, she was a castaway, you might say. You know, she was just thrown away. And we don't know, and, and, and there's a couple people in the Bible I wish we knew more about, and she's one of them. Right. But we, we know that she was an outcast, uh, we don't know what her history is. Um, one of the problems, and this is relevant, where it, there's a connection to the woman at the well. One of the one of the challenges that people who, have, especially women, I believe, who've been abused is they they have trouble with relationships because of trust. Trust has been yeah. broken. They don't trust anyone. So sometimes they'll be in multiple relationships because they'll only get so close, and then they'll back away. They'll sabotage a relationship. And so we don't know why this woman had five husbands, but God knew, and he didn't throw her away. And sometimes right. we judge people and we say, well, you know, look at their life. Well, yeah, look at their life, but, but go back from where they are right now and look what happened in their life. Maybe that person was abused. Maybe they've been through terrible tragedies and, and they've been traumatized. So, But uh, I, I see her as someone that, uh, was was thrown away, but the Lord Jesus Christ told her, you know, my father seeketh such to worship him. Hmm. You know, it's amazing to me about that passage is the honor that Jesus bestows this woman. I mean, mm. first off, he shouldn't have been talking to her in the first place, but not only does he talk to her, but they get into a pretty deep theological conversation here. Oh, yeah. Probably a lot of people couldn't handle, but Jesus is really lifting her up, knowing who she is and her background, he still gives her honor, gives her attention, and gives her respect. Yes. Yeah, he just takes... And a lot of that is, and that's what the, the abused person needs. They need to be accepted yeah. as they are. Right. You have to accept them because one of the challenges they have is they don't believe anybody loves them, 
and they don't believe anybody ha- any they don't believe they have any value to anyone and with what you're saying that's what Christ was doing he was showing her that she had value that yeah. she was important when he said to her my father seeketh such to worship him she's telling him my father wants you you have value to right. him so and that's a big thing and God uses her in a great way then she's used to bring about a revival there in Samaria yes oh yeah yeah and yeah, she went out and told everybody come meet a man <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah told me everything about myself yeah it's wonderful it's a wonderful passage you also you get into the book of job which deals a lot about suffering and i always find it when i teach the book of job i always ask my students tell me the story of job and they'll tell me the basic you know he lost everything and then he got everything back i said that's great but that's three chapters of a 42 chapter book this is a book about suffering and how to deal with that and you also go through the story of david and goliath and talking about fear and overcoming that but then toward the end I, I, I love how you end the book you you come to Isaiah 61 3 and 4 which talks about exchanging uh, you know turning beauty from ashes talk to us a little bit about that because that's it there's really a I don't want to say a happy ending but there is resolution well Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 is my life verse hmm. And I like the part that says, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might become trees of righteousness, that he might be glorified. Well, ashes is all that's left after destruction. And a lot of people, most people who have been abused, who have never gone through any type of of healing process, they see their life as just ashes, that there's nothing there of any value. And God says, bring me your ashes, and I will give you beauty. And where he says that he would give the oil of joy for mourning, that, 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 is a, that oil of joy is a reference to a custom where if you were grieving, uh, you would put on an ointment or like a, we would maybe call it a cologne or perfume, an oil that would give off a fragrance and that fragrance would tell people that were you were in contact with that you were grieving. They could tell you were mourning because of the oil you had on you that put off the fragrance of mourning. And so he says, I'll give you the oil of joy. God says, I'll give you the oil of joy. I'll take the oil of mourning from you, and I'll give you an oil of joy. And then the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it's just there is an exchange. There is a healing process. The Bible is a healing book, and there's principles about about our self-value, about that we are loved, about that um, we can go from being a victim to being a victor. Uh, there, there's principles about forgiveness, and forgiveness is something that people who've been abused uh, have a lot of challenges with. I think the one of the biggest things that they struggle with is the idea of coming to terms with the fact that it's not their fault, that they didn't do anything wrong. And in listening to them, you, they'll reveal that, and then you have to give them the assurance that, that this, is not, this is not your fault. Because a lot of them, depending on the abuse and their abuser, they were told that, this is your fault yeah. that I'm doing this. You, you deserve this and all kinds of craziness. Right. So you have to get that across to them that, that it's not their fault. And that right. they I've are. I've heard that many loved. times. 
whether it's, well, if you hadn't have dressed this way, or you should have said something earlier, or, and they're just left with, it's just heaping guilt upon guilt and shame. And, and, and again, I love that passage because in the midst of that shame, in the midst of that sorrow, there is beauty. Yes, uh, you, you can beauty. turn that, and you don't have to continue your life in that shame. God looks at you as something that's beautiful, not something that's marred or wrecked eternally, but something that's beautiful in his image. That's right. That's right. Yep. There's a there's hope in that, and that's one of the things that that um, a person who's been abused needs is hope. We have we. I teach this. I've been teaching this for years, and I love it. We have four human needs, and the abused person, like anybody else, they need those needs fulfilled, and they've not been fulfilled. Um, most of them have never been fulfilled in the abused person's life. And the four human needs, I need someone to love me. Well, they have now a distorted version of what love is. So they need to see what true, genuine Christian love is. I need someone to love me. I need to believe I'm important to someone. I need to know there's hope. I need to know that my life has a purpose. We all have those four needs. And someone who's been terribly abused, whether it was verbal, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, those things have been taken away from them, and they don't trust anyone. Trust is a big issue. The, all good relationships are based on trust. And anytime trust is broken, there's a problem in the relationship. And think about this for a minute. Every blessing in life, almost, I shouldn't say every, almost all of our blessings in life are attached to a relationship. All of our problems in life, most of them, I should say, most of our problems in life are attached to a relationship. Someone who has lots of problems about themselves, accepting themselves, liking themselves, uh, having confidence in themselves, whatever you want to say, if you go back, you'll find that somewhere, either in the past or right now, there's a relationship problem. There's someone there that's telling them they're nothing. There's someone there that's beating them down. There's someone there that's hurting them emotionally, spiritually, and physically on a regular basis. And so their problem so often is attached to relationship. So we have to be the other side of that. We have to develop a relationship with them that is a blessing to them, that gives them strength and healing and hope. Well, let me ask you this. We're we're kind of running out of time, but how can churches— develop a ministry for those who have been abused. I think first we need to create a culture that allows people to come forward and talk about this without fear. And, you know, a lot of people are very nervous even addressing this issue. So what is a good starting places for, for churches? I think the best starting place is to acknowledge abuse, Yeah, to acknowledge it. And then I, th- I would say, along what you're saying is, to acknowledge that if you've been abused, that's not your fault and that there are people who care about you and love you and that there are answers in the Bible and that uh, you need to have a voice. You need to be, and by that, what I mean is people need to be heard. Um, Sometimes we need to learn to listen more than we tell everybody what's wrong with them. We need to listen to what they say that's on their heart. It's interesting 
when you look at the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, okay, the first four letters spell here, H-E-A-R. So I tell pastors and youth leaders and people, listen with your heart, hear with your heart, hear people, hear what they have to say. And then once people have that voice and once they they know we acknowledge there's a problem, and then you can can work with them and set with them and show them scripture and start working on the, the things that they're challenged with. Right. And the biggest things is the guilt. The guilt's big, and them coming to terms with it's not their fault. Forgiveness is big. How to go about forgiving someone who's hurt you so bad. And another thing I talk about in the book that's really big with people who've been abused is the principle I call dethroning the king and queen in your life. And that is that when Asa began, began to rule uh, in Israel that that his own grandmother had brought in false gods, and he dethroned her. He took her out of that place of leadership, that place of influence. Now, the person who's hurt you, they might have been a family member, and they might have had that authority in your life, but you, you can still love them, and you need to still love them as a Christian, but you have to dethrone them. You have to take them out of that place of authority and that they can't hurt you anymore. Uh, they can't do anything bad to you anymore. Uh, they can't have control of you anymore. And there's a lot in that, depending on the circumstances of the person coming to terms with, with taking the control away from them. And so that, that's a challenge for a lot of folks who've been abused. Well, and, and a great place to start is to buy the book, Restored, Living and Loving After Abuse, by our guest, Dr. Don Woodard. So, Dr. Woodard, I want to thank you for joining us. But before we do, before we wrap this up, of course, we're talking about your latest book, but you've written several other books that have been a blessing to me as well. When the Will of God is a Bitter Cup. I, I read that in one sitting, which is not normal for me. It, it's a short book, but it's, it, it's a good blessing. And I also want to mention another short book, but uh, dealing with family, Blessings from Parenthood is a really good book, and the book that helped me out the most, and this is how you and I met. We met at a Sunday school conference, yeah. and I was just uh, I was a, I was a new youth pastor, fresh out of Bible college, and well, actually, no, it's been a year or so after Bible college. I found myself a youth pastor at this little Baptist church in Connecticut, and it quickly dawned on me, I have no clue what I'm doing, <laughs> and uh, so you gave me a book, which was just so practical and so helpful. And I believe the latest title, uh, the latest edition, Reaching Teenagers, Practical Bible Methods for the Local Church uh, Youth Ministry. And I can't recommend that book enough. If you're, if you're in that position I was in, this is a good book to start with. Yeah, we went through that book a couple of years ago and added some things, kind of updated it, and uh, went through it again grammatically and made some corrections. And it's it's available on Amazon. And uh, yeah, Reaching Teenagers, it's called. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're really proud. We'll have, we'll have a link to all of those books on our on our website as well. And you've got several others that that are worth reading. Uh, quite, you know, about marriage, and even about the topic of death. What happens when you when you've lost a loved one? And so you, you you've been a blessing to me, brother, and I know you've been a blessing to to God's people. So let me let me say thank you, not just for joining us, but thank you for your ministry and your friendship. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this very much. And if I can ever be a help, give me a call. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening. Again, the title of the book is Restored, 
living and loving after abuse by our guest today, Dr. Don Woodard. I'll have a link to that and some of the other books as well on our website at uh, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check out the resources tab on that website and all of the resources we've talked about, not just in this program, but all previous programs are listed there. Amazon links, you can go and purchase those books for yourself or look out the links for yourself. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Basic Bible Cast and Instagram, which I'm hoping to update soon at the same at Basic Bible Cast. So don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Leave us a positive rating. Share this with your friends. Share it on any social media that you are on. And uh, come back next week. We'll be talking about the issue of Bible translations and which one to pick and, and what to choose and all what to look for and all that fun stuff with my friend, Dr. Mark Ward. So until next week, have a great rest of the week. <laughs>